Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us today for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a five-week series entitled Guardrails. In this series, we're discovering how many of the regrets we have or will have can be avoided simply by establishing personal guardrails. Dr. Kelly is covering the most relevant topics like friendship, marriage, finances, and career. Now here's our guest speaker today, Pastor Chad Lunsford. How are we doing, church? You guys good? It is good to, uh, to see everybody. Welcome to all of you that are here at Central Campus. Welcome to all of our campuses out there that are joining us. It's, uh, it's good to have everybody today for Guardrails Part 4. It's been a great series uh, thus far. Have you guys been enjoying Guardrails? Good, good. I've heard from a lot of people that are really, really enjoying uh, this series. If, uh, if you're just coming into it, let me catch you up to speed real quickly. Uh, we're talking about guardrails. We see guardrails around us every day in life. Every time we get into the car, we venture out of our house, we see guardrails that uh, keep us from off-limit areas. And so we've been looking at what, what, what does it look like to, uh, to set up guardrails in areas of our life. And uh, last week, I, I challenged us to, to kind of look at the two sides of guardrails. I had a definition for what guardrails are. In our lives, I said this guardrails are a set of values that guard and guide you, ensuring arrival at your desired destination. Let me say it one more time a set of values that guard and guide you, ensuring arrival at your desired destination. So, guardrails can guard us from danger, but they can also guide us to our God given destination. The, the thought is this if, if God gives us a purpose, if He gives us a plan, and I uh, wholeheartedly believe that He has a, a purpose and a plan for every one of us uh, that, that's listening to this message, then we want to develop guardrails that ensure arrival at that desired destination instead of things that will take us off course. So it's important to keep this in mind because today we're going to hop back into a bit of a topical uh, focus. And I want to uh, invite all of us to ask, what guardrails do I need in my life to guard and to guide me in this particular area uh, in my life? Now, you probably have a pretty good understanding of where we're going today because of the song that we just did. I'll be there for you by the Rembrandts. Who knew that it actually has verses, right? Uh, you saw just had a little bit of a chorus for, uh, for the, the sitcom, right? And of course, it's the theme song for the quintessential Friends sitcom, aptly named Friends, right? And uh, for a lot of us, Friends taught us or at least impacted how we think of friendships and how we look at friendships. And for all of their dysfunction, there was something really cool about the fact that there was this core group of friends that were just always there for each other. They just looked out for each other and were and stuck through uh, good times and bad and of course, there's been uh, sitcoms uh, about friendships before that and some after. Uh, I think of Cheers that, that came before Friends, right? And how cool would it be to have a place where everybody knows your name, right? We, we know that song. Uh, I think probably some today that kind of like get close to those two uh, you know, major friend sitcoms are like How I Met Your Mother or The Big Bang Theory. Those are about a core group of friends that stick together. Just, there's something cool about the fact that there's a core group that take care of one another. But I think all of those in some shape or form, good and bad, impacted how we see uh, friendships. Now, there's a, a pretty serious phenomenon going on in the world today that's really a- affecting friendships as well. And that, of course, is social media. And I'm not like up here to like bash social media. There's a lot of great things about, about social media. But nonetheless, it is affecting us in a big way. There's some uh, telling statistics, uh, that should be probably alarming statistics, that I think social media plays into uh, to some degree. For instance, 25 years ago, so that's just two and a half decades ago, the average person had six close friends. 
The average person had six close friendships. And in just 25 years, that has gone down to where the average person has two close friends. That's a big, it's a big change in just 25 years. 25% of, of all adults actually said that they have no close friendships. They have like no, zero close core friendships. Those are both telling and tragic, right? Somehow the more connected, the more connected we've become with the masses, we, our, our core has shrunk. The more connected we've become with many, the more we've actually craved deep, core, intimate friendships. And no one's exempt from this, right? This is, this is men, this is women, this is married, single, young, and old. We all need those core friendships in our lives. And I think often we underestimate uh, what friendships mean to our, to our lives, to our worlds. I think we underestimate the value of healthy friendships to guard and guide us. And I think we underestimate uh, the harm that poor friendships can have to distract and derail us. And so I think there's a serious need to regain uh, the importance of friendships and also to have guardrails to help us develop healthy friendships in our lives. I think this is an, an essential guardrails discussion on friendships because here's the deal. Friendships uh, decide who we are and who we become. Friendships decide, they determine who we are and who we become. I get that from Proverbs. I get it from Proverbs chapter 13. Verse 20, it says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Let's read that out loud together at all of our campus. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Now, this is going to be our core uh, verse that we're going to write on throughout today. So I want to, I want to drill down deep on it. There's both a promise and a warning in that short passage. There's a promise. If you have wise people around you, you'll become wise. There's a warning. If you have fools around you, uh, you're going to suffer their harm. There's a, both a promise and a warning. And so I want to un- unveil, uncover, kind of unfold all of this. And as I'm doing it, I think for a lot of you, and I, I kind of hope this is the case, there's going to be a tension inside of you. As I'm, as I'm sharing on this, there's going to be a tension. And in fact, I think the tension should be there. If you're a mature follower of Christ, I, I hope that this tension, and you're, you're kind of sitting out there like you want to raise your hand, like, well, hang, hang on a second, Chad. What about this? And what about that? So I want to let you know, hang on to that. Okay, I'm going to address that tension. I'm not going to give it away just yet, but I think a lot of you are going to be feeling this as I go along. And I'm going, to, I'm going to come back to that tension. But the promise, the promise is have wise people around you and you will become wise. The right people in your life will actually help actualize the dreams and goals that you have. I experienced a little bit of this whenever I was a sophomore in high school. Whenever I was in high school, I would eat, sleep, and drink trek. I was a sprinter, believe it or not. I was, I guess, kind of fast at one time. I loved sprinting. And uh, I would just, everything I did in life, the way I ate, the way I exercised, the way I trained was about sprinting. I loved the 100 meters, the 4 by 100 meter relay. That's just sort of like what I live for. And what I would notice as a freshman whenever I was running junior varsity is that the first 25 meters of the 100-meter race, I was behind. Like So for the first 25 meters, I was in the last. Now, eventually, I would catch everybody or at least a lot of the people uh, by the time we got to the end, but I'd always start behind. And so I just... I I knew that like after a while I was, I was only going to be so fast, right? Like I wasn't going to be the fastest guy out there. So what if I actually lined up and I was smarter than everybody else that I lined up next to, right? Seems like, is that impossible in sprint? But I, I learned how to 
get smarter. We, uh, a group of us sprinters went to a, um, a sprinting conference. Believe it or not, they have those. And so we went from our little high school uh, in the cornfields of Indiana to the big city of Indianapolis. And uh, we went there for a sprinting conference. And they were having different breakouts and you know, speeches and different things. But in one of the breakouts you could go to, it was on the first 25 meters, learning how to get into the blocks and, and kind of develop your mind and your mentality and, and how, to, how to bust out of the blocks properly. And there were different coaches and there were athletes, college athletes and college coaches and high school coaches that were there teaching this. But I noticed there was one particular athlete there that I wanted to train with. His name was Leroy Burrell. I don't know if you've ever heard of Leroy Burrell, but if you watch the Olympics much, especially back in the 90s, you probably heard of him. He was an Olympic gold medalist. At one time, he held a world record for the 100 meters and the 200 meters. And so as I'm looking around to all these smart people, I was like, I want to get by the smartest person, right? Like this guy has done what it is that I'm trying to do, right? Like if I want to get better at this, I need to talk to him. And so people were just sort of getting in whatever line they wanted to, but I got in Leroy Burrell's line. And like I stood and I waited for him to, to, to talk to me and tell me how to get in the blocks and coach me and train me. And for most of the people, he was spending like two or three, three to five minutes with them. He'd show them a few things and he'd send them off to the side to practice it. So I figured that would be the same for me, but I, Hey, three to five minutes with Leroy Burrell, I'll take it. Well, after like 30 minutes, right? I'm wondering to myself as I'm training with him, does he see something in me or am I just that bad? (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was the latter. Like he was like, this guy needs some help. I'm going to help him out. Right. But here's the interesting thing. So in my freshman year, I did junior varsity the whole year. But my sophomore year, I was varsity the whole year. And as we got back and I was around all the other sprinters, they were asking me for advice on the first 25 meters because I was, I was smoking them all off the line from that 30 minutes that I spent with that gold medal Olympian. During our junior year, I actually was the first person on the 4 by 100 meter relay team. So I would start out of the blocks. I was the best one on our team. And that year, we actually broke the school record twice. So I uh, thanks whoever got me that shout out. Appreciate it. I need, yeah, I need, yeah, live, live in the glory days, right? So what I learned just like in a small, in a small measure back then was like, if you want to be wise, get around wise people, right? If you want to be better, get around people who are better, who are going to make you better. That's the promise. Have wise people around you. You will become wise. But here's the warning. If you have fools around you, you will suffer their harm. The wrong people will take you off course, distracting and derailing you. Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor of uh, Life Church out in uh, Oklahoma City, he actually says this, you can't have the wrong friends and live the right life. You can't have the wrong friends and live the right life. He's actually so bold to say this, that every person is the average of their five closest friends. Every person is the average of their five closest friends. And I think he's right. If you think about it, we are like our five closest friends. Economically, we're probably pretty close. Uh, Spiritually, Uh, Our worldview, our leadership capacity, our wisdom, we are the average of our five closest friends. So if our goal is to ensure arrival at our desired destination, it's important to know who you have around you because who you have around you will determine where you go. Are you with me? Who you have around you will determine who you are and who you become. I like to say it this way. Your friends predict your future. Your friends predict your future. So I want to look at this closely, this, this promise and the warning. So here's, here's the promise. Here's the first part of it. Wise friends guide you to your destination. Wise friends guide you to your destination. Uh, in, the, in the New Testament, in the, in the book of Acts, there was a man named Paul. His, he was originally named Saul, and he changed his name to, uh, to Paul. 
And so Paul actually murdered Christians. When the church was just first starting and first getting going, Paul was someone who actually would murder Christians, or he would even give the commands for Christians to, to be murdered. And then in one like transformational moment with God, he, he begins following Jesus. He was killing Christians, then he begins following Jesus. But as you can imagine, the followers of Jesus weren't quite you know, sure what to do with Paul, right? So as he tries to join them, they're, they're, they're not sure if he's like kind of pulling the wool over their eyes or what. And there's this unique encounter with a man named Barnabas in Acts chapter 9. It says this, when he, Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. He was going to, they thought he was going to trick him so he could kill him. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Barnabas gets him and he takes him to the apostles, not just anyone, but the guys that were at the top who were leading the church. He's like, I want you to see this guy. I believe that God's actually using him and working in him. He gets Paul and he takes him to the apostles. A couple chapters later in, uh, in the city of Antioch, uh, there's, a, there's just a movement that's breaking out. The church is just erupting and exploding. They, they believe God's spirit's doing great things and they need a leader there to, to oversee and preside over everything that's happening. And so they send Barnabas, the apostles send Barnabas to go and to oversee what's happening. They want their best and brightest leader to go. And here's what Barnabas does. Catch this. Acts 11, 25 through 26. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, also called Paul. He went to Tarsus to look for him, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So Barnabas believed that Paul had a calling on his life, that he was actually, he went from murdering Christians to now he was actually be one of the leading voices in the church. He believed that at some point he was going to be speaking to the corners of the world. His life was going to matter and mean something. So he goes and gets Paul and says, you're going to come with me. God's doing something amazing here. And I want you to see it. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to grow up and learn how to be a leader in this environment. He saw something in Paul that he didn't quite see in himself just yet. You see, wise friends see the best in you. They see your desired destination alongside of you, and they make it their goal to help you get there. That's what wise friends are all about. They guide you to your destination. Here's the second part. Wise friends give you spiritual strength for the journey. Wise friends give you spiritual strength for the journey. In the Old Testament, uh, in the book of 1 Samuel, we, we encounter a, a man named David. And a lot of you know David. He later becomes king. And when David is an anointed king, uh, there's also another king whose name is Saul. Not the same Saul we just learned about. Two different people. Old Testament, New Testament. There's a, there's a king named Saul. And as you can imagine, he's not very happy with another person, this young man being anointed king. Because he knows at any moment... King David's going to step in and, and, and take over in his place. And so, as you can imagine, King Saul's not too happy about this. Here's what, uh, a, a small snapshot of what was going down. 1 Samuel chapter 23. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh, and catch this, and helped him find strength in God. You put yourself in, in David's shoes. Now, you've been anointed and appointed to be the next king over God's people, and yet he's running from his life. And so Jonathan becomes his friend, goes out alongside him, and it says he encourages him, encourages him, and God helps him find spiritual strength for the journey. Whenever I think about guys like Jonathan, I think about guys like Barnabas, I'm reminded of my very first pastor. His name was Dave Hoskins. And Dave was just a, a phenomenal leader. At the time, was a very, a very young guy, his early 30s, and 
Um, I was new to church. Everything in church sort of like freaked me out. It was all brand new. I didn't really understand any of it. But I began following Christ. I wanted to know Jesus. And so Dave took me under his wing. I remember there was one uh, moment in particular that I was just having a, a particularly difficult season of life. And Dave was out at a restaurant having a meal. And uh, he overheard some of my friends talking about me and kind of some of the things I was going through. And he got up from his meal and he drove around town to every spot that he thought I could possibly be until he found me just because he wanted to encourage me. And when he found me, he was like, hey, I've been praying for you. I want you to know that I'm there for you. If you need to talk, I'm there. And, and we just went. We went and I don't, I grabbed coffee or grabbed something to eat together. I don't remember what, but I remember being there with him. He just said, I'm, gonna, I'm here. I'm here for you. He gave me spiritual strength for the journey. There were different moments along my, my walk with Christ that he would see something in me. He saw that I had a calling on my life. And whenever he would go to do ministry, whether he was speaking somewhere or he was leading worship or offering communion or just doing pastoral care visits, he'd call me up and say, Hey, I'm going to do this. Do you want to go with me? He would just bring me along and train me and, and develop me. Uh, after church on Sundays, we would wash our cars together. We would hang out. Whatever, whatever it was, he would just invest in me. He, he made me better. I became wise because I was around him. A few years ago, he actually passed away. He was preaching one Sunday and uh, fell over, and they discovered he had a brain tumor. And within a year, just really tragically, uh, his family, they, they, they lost him. And I don't have him like in my life to like, guide me or to call up, but all those moments that I spent with him still linger with me today. I am the person I am because he was in my life. You know, wise friends will make us wise, although they'll make us better. That's the promise. Wise friends guide you to your destination. They give you spiritual strength for the journey. That's the promise. So here's the warning. I want to look closely at the warning. As we're looking at a couple, couple details of the warning, I'm going to throw out potential guardrails for you, or really more like warning flags. That if, this, if you encounter this in your life, a warning flag for you should, should go up. The first is this, as part of the warning. Core friends should not distract you from God's plan. Core friends should not distract you from God's plan. Proverbs 12 says it this way. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So our conscience should send up a warning flag when there's a core group that's moving in. Our core group is moving in a different direction than what we want for our life. If you find that your core group is moving in a different direction than what you have for your life, warning flags should go off. Sirens should be going off in your head that something's not Right. I remember when, when I was in high school and I was just beginning to follow after Jesus and I was starting to get things right. And I knew uh, what I was beginning to understand and want for my life. I looked around and I was like, all my friends are going in a different direction. I'm going this way. They're going this way. The things they would talk about, the things they would joke about, the, the things they would do on the weekend, the way they would treat people. I was like, this is not, this is not what I want for me. They weren't necessarily awful things, but they, it wasn't what I wanted for my life. And it was really difficult. Maybe you've been there. I mean, it was really, really difficult. These were the, the friends that I had grown up with. These were people that I went through elementary school with, and middle school, and now high school. We had been on sports teams together and spent hours together on buses. We were at parties together on the weekends. Like, these were my core group of friends. And as I looked around, they were going in a completely different direction than what I wanted for my life. And so I had to begin setting up guardrails so that I wasn't becoming like them, or I was becoming the person that I wanted. Now, this becomes incredibly important in dating. If you find that you're going in a different direction than the person you're dating, because the closer you are to someone, the more influence they have on your life. The closer you are to someone, the more influence they have on your life, right? Now, we, we can justify it. And we will say things like, well, like he has a Bible, so it's okay, right? 
We've said it, right? We've heard it. He, he has a Bible. It was given to him as a gift whenever he was like in elementary school. And like, you know, last year he got it out and read it, right? Or like, you know, she goes to mass on Easter, right? Like we, we've said things like this. Like, but listen, guys, there's a drastically... There's a drastic difference between having a Bible and every now and then going to church or maybe watching something on TV and being a committed follower of Christ. Who you have in your core will determine where you go. Your friends predict your future. Warning flags should go up. The core group is moving in a different direction than what you want for your life. Here's another warning flag. When you feel pressure to pretend you're somebody you're not. When you feel pressure to pretend you're somebody you're not, we've all felt those moments where we're, we're sort of like stumbling on our words and we're trying to, to, we're trying to fit in. And you know it's not who you are, but you just you, you want to fit into the group. Guys, you might be around other husbands who are like, they're just bashing their wives, right? Like they're just tearing them down. And you're like, you know, that's, that's not really who I am. That's not who I want to be. Your wives, you, you might be around other women who are just disrespecting and tearing down their husbands. You're like, that's not what I want. Guys, you might be around other guy friends and the things they're doing and the things they're watching and the things they're talking about. You might have to put up guardrails and say, guys, if you do that, I'm leaving. That's not who I am. That's not what I want for my life. Ladies, if there's a group going out for, for a, a fun night on the town, you might have to say, like, I'm not going to dress like that. I'm not going to go those places. That's not what I want for my life. You might have to put up a guardrail. Warning flags should go up if you feel pressure to pretend to be somebody that you're not. And here's the, here's the second part of the warning. Core friends should not tempt you to sin. Core friends should not tempt you to sin. First Corinthians actually says this. I want us to read aloud together. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Paul's warning is do not be led astray. Bad company corrupts good character. So our conscience should send up warning flags when we feel pressure to compromise. We feel pressure to compromise. There are times, there are moments in your life you will say, I will never do blank. I'll never say this. I'll never go there. I'll never find myself in this situation. And then you do, right? And you'll find yourself compromising. Well, it's not that bad or it's okay to do that. If you find yourself around a core group of friends that are constantly putting in you a place to feel compromised to sin, warning flags should go up. That you need guardrails in that area of your life. Because here's the deal. There is nothing worse, and you've been there. There's nothing worse than knowing you shouldn't do something and then you do it anyway. Right? When you've been on that side of the guardrail and you knew you shouldn't break through that tension, you knew you shouldn't go down that road and you still did it. There's nothing worse than that feeling. Warning flags are are going off and you just kept going through it. You just kept going through it. That's the first part. Here's the second part of, of, of friends should not tempt you to sin. We've often said words like this, I'll go, but I won't participate. Right? I'll go, I'll go along, I'll go to that place, but, but I won't participate. I want to remind us of our core verse, Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Right? The promise is if you're around wise, you'll become wise. Now, the warning is not this. If you're around fools, you'll become a fool. That's not the warning, right? You, you, you've been around uh, people and you, you've said this or you've even heard this. I won't think like them. I'll be around them. 
I, I, won't, I won't become them. I won't do the things that they're doing. That's not the warning. The warning is not if you're around fools, you'll become a fool. The warning is if you're around fools, their harm will cause you harm. The shrapnel, when their lives blow up, will affect you. The things that, that happen in their life will rub off onto you. You don't necessarily have to become a fool, right? Just when their lives blow up, it somehow blows up on you as well. And you never know, you never know when it's going to blow up. We've all, we've all heard stories, right, of, of friends who were driving in a car together. And one of them knew they shouldn't be doing that or they shouldn't be there. And now that person is not here today, right? They, they were just going along for the ride. Or people have said, oh, I, 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 I didn't mean to have one too many drinks. Or I never meant to get into bed with that person, right? Like, I'll go, but I won't participate. And somehow, the shrapnel from their lives blows up on us. And we never know when it's going to happen. One of the things that, that we like to say is, especially in the church world, like, how far can I go without sinning? Or like, how far can I go without crossing over the guardrail? Crossing over, we might even say, um, how close to the fire can I dance, right? Without getting burned. Which is the complete wrong question. The question we should be asking ourselves is, what guardrails do I need in my life to guard and guide me to the destination I want to get to? Right? Where do I want to go? And what guardrails should I be putting in my life to ensure that I arrive at that desired destination? Because there's a, there's a fundamental difference between wise and foolish. For a, for a wise person, they make decisions today knowing it's going to affect tomorrow. Right? They invest their lives, their, their time, their money, their talents, their resources today, knowing that it's going to affect tomorrow. But foolish people, the, the Bible would say, they have no care for tomorrow. Right? The things they do today, they don't really care how they're going to affect tomorrow. And here's the deal. If you are around people who don't care about their reputation, they don't care about your reputation. If you're around people who don't care about their marriage, they don't care about the things that they're doing, the way they're spending their money, their health. If they don't care about themselves, they won't care about you either right? If that's your core group of friends, you're going to need to start putting up guardrails around you. Companion of fools suffers harm. When it blows up, we find ourselves in their shrapnel. Now, it might be embarrassing to walk away from certain situations, right? It might even be awkward to have some of those really difficult and hard conversations, but I would be willing to bet this, that if you didn't take the, the advice that, 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 that Solomon's offering up in Proverbs and you just kind of kept on with the same friends, that at some point in the future, when it blows up on you, you do anything to come back to today and put up guardrails, right? If we could see into the future of how if we just push through all those little tensions, those warning flags that I just mentioned, we do anything to come back to today and put up those guardrails so we could get at that desired destination. Now, here's the tension. I hope some of you are feeling this tension, right? Some of you are thinking this. I thought we were supposed to love everybody, right? Some of you are thinking that. Like, like, didn't Jesus love everybody? Like, if he did, we are, right? Like, here's the case. He did. But he was very wise with how he spent his time. I like to say it this way. Jesus loved everyone unconditionally, and he gave his time uniquely. Jesus loved everyone unconditionally, but he spent his time uniquely. There were times he was with the thousands, there were times he was with dozens. There, was, there were times he was with the dozen, right? The, just the 12. And then there were even times he would take three out of that 12, and that would be his core, and he would spend time with them, and he would invest in them. There, what Jesus was teaching us is that you love everyone, but you don't let everyone into your core. Why? Your friends predict your future, right? That's what Jesus would teach us. Now, some of you are saying, but I, but I thought we were supposed to be compassionate to all people. You are. Never confuse wisdom and compassion. 
Wisdom and compassion are not the same thing. You don't, you don't have to, 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 to mingle those two. They are two different things. You see, wise friends will never position you to make unwise decisions about yourself. Wise friends will never position you to make unwise decisions about yourself. Think about it this way. We've all, uh, or a lot of us have been on planes. If you've been on planes uh, twice, you've already, you've memorized the speech that the attendants give before you take off, right? So if you are up in the air and cabin pressure drops, what happens? All the masks will come falling down, the oxygen mask, right? And what are you supposed to do when that happens? You put your mask on first before you help the person next to you, right? If you don't have breath and oxygen in your lungs, you're nothing for the person next to you, right? It's the same, the same is true with this, right? Like a tree without roots, when it, when it gets windy, is just going to blow right over. But if you deepen your roots, you can widen your reach, Right? If you deepen your roots, if you dig down deep, amazingly, somehow you can widen your reach. The, the amount of people you can reach because you have deep roots expands exponentially. Now, when I think about this, I'm, I'm reminded of, of a very goofy situation that happened a couple of years ago. If you're a football fan, you probably heard about this. Uh, on the campus of Auburn University, there is a corner they call Tumor's Corner. And it's where all the students, after a a big victory, they would run and they would celebrate on the campus of Auburn University. There were these beautiful oak trees there. I brought along a picture of these oak trees. And all of the students would come and they'd bring rolls of toilet paper and they'd throw them on the oak trees. And that's where they would celebrate. It was just a big tradition. Now, if you know anything about football in the southeast, you know that Auburn and Alabama loathe one another, right? Like they just, they don't, they don't want to be in the same room with one another, all Auburn and Alabama fans. So one not very smart Alabama fan got in his car, drove two hours with poison in his truck in the middle of the night, and he went and he poisoned the trees. In the middle of the night, he poisoned the trees. Now, like I said, he was not a smart person. He called into a radio station later to brag about it and told everybody his name. Homeboy is in jail now, right? Like, not, not, like, yeah. lots of bad decisions across the way. Now, I, saw you the, I showed you the picture before. Here's the picture after they were poisoned. The trees died. And if I understand the, the story correctly, um, they actually had to cut down the trees and dig up the, the earth and kind of start, start from scratch all over again. Now, these beautiful trees, because their roots were poisoned, had to be cut down. Same is true with us. I mean, do you ever feel like you're trying to get ahead, like you're trying to go in the right direction, and somehow it's like your roots are poisoned, right? Like there's just things, there's, 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 there's pressures, there's relationships around you that are poisoning the roots, right? If you deepen your roots, you can widen your reach. Deepen your roots, you can widen your reach. Your, let me see if I can say that. Deepen your roots, widen your reach. There we go. Now, Jesus would tell us to never stop loving unconditionally. We never stop loving anyone unconditionally. We are commanded to love one another. Language we use around here all the time at New Hope is invest and invite. You invest in those who don't know Jesus. You invite them to take steps with Jesus. You invest in them. You, 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 you commit to them. You invite them to go to church. You invite them to go to a small group. You invite them to come to an event. You invite them on March 9th when Maurice Claret is here. Whatever it is, right? Invest in them and invite them, right? We, we talk about that language all the time. This is not a message to run from those that are unlike you, right? Like they're sinning. I've, I've, just, I've, got, to, I've got to run for them. This is, this is not a message about that. This is a message about your core friendships. Your core friendships will determine the direction of your life. Your friends predict your future. You, we, we need core friends in our lives that are wise and are making us better. That's what this message is all about. We never stop loving. We never stop loving unconditionally. 
It's a message about who gets into your core. I mentioned my, my, my high school friends a few minutes ago. Most of them, I really just, I had to go in a completely different direction than where they were going with their lives. And uh, during my uh, junior and senior year of high school, uh, youth groups and churches would invite me to, to preach around town. Uh, some, some friends knew that like, I had a calling on my life, and they'd invite me and give me opportunities to preach. And whenever I would preach, I would actually notice that some of these friends would show up and listen, which was really cool. Like I could have never stood up on a stage if I would have to stay in those friendships deeply at my core because they just would have kept bringing me down. It would have been poisoning my roots. But because I was putting up guardrails and protecting myself, I now have the opportunity to stand in front of them and share the gospel with them, some of which gave their lives to Christ. I remember one a young man during my senior year of high school, we were sitting in English class. I remember him tapping me on the shoulder and just, just sort of like pouring out his heart to me, man, like I'm going in the wrong direction. I don't like what's happening in my life. I like what you're doing. Like, how do I get on that track? And I just shared the gospel with him. I spent time with him and invited him on a retreat and going, happening in a, in a couple weeks after that with, with some students. And I remember sitting down front, there was an altar call one night at this retreat and he gave his life to Christ. And I, and I prayed with him and those opportunities would have never happened if I hadn't put up those guardrails. I can't imagine myself standing on a stage and having the privilege to speak to campuses today if I hadn't started putting up guardrails in my life to put down my roots deep so I could widen my reach. So I could widen my reach. Now for a lot of us, I'm going to bet that there are some difficult steps that are coming up ahead. There are some, there's some difficult conversations. There are some awkward moments that are, that are coming up ahead for you. And here's what I know, and I believe this with my core. If you're faithful with what God is giving you, God will fulfill what he's put in your heart. If you're faithful with what God has placed in your hands, he'll fulfill what he's put in your heart. The destination he has for you, he wants to help you get there. If you're doing the right things, he's going to bring the people around you so that you arrive at that desired destination. At all of our campuses, I want to invite us to stand together. I invite us all to stand together. And as, as you're standing, I'm, I, want to, I just want to share this. I want to share this. In fact, if, if everyone would... would would join me. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. I want this to be a moment where you just get to connect with God. You get to talk. You just get to open up your heart to him. I'm going to ask a couple questions. And, and if this is you, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand so that I can pray for you specifically. With all of our eyes closed, if you're here today and you're like, I need wise people in my life. I, I long to have core friendships that, that, are, that, are, that are wise, that, that make me better than I am today. If that's you, I just want to invite you to, you can raise your hand right now and then keep it up. And I'm going to pray for you in a moment. If you're here today and you, you, you say, I have awkward conversations coming. I have difficult moments coming up ahead. And I'm going to need prayer for those moments. Uh, and I need prayer. Go ahead and lift your hand right now so I can pray for you as well. Let's pray. with Eyes closed, hands raised. Father God, for those of us that are standing here today, God, with our hands up, saying we need wise friends in our lives. God, to, to help us get to that desired destination, to that goal, to that purpose and plan you have for our lives. God, would you surround us with the people that we need. Would you give us wise choices in the days ahead? God, bring those people to our side. God, for those that have hard conversations and difficult moments ahead, God, would you, would you bring courage to them? Would you bring your spirit so they could feel your presence? God, would you give them the words? Would you give them your mind in those moments? If there's anybody here today that you say, you know what, I need, I need forgiveness in my life. I've, in terms of friendships and relationships, I've messed up big time. And I need prayer and forgiveness today. I'm just going to invite you. You can raise your hand right now. If there's anybody here today that you say, like, I need, 
I need Jesus in my life. I'm not following him and I want to follow him, whether it's for the first time or I just need to get back on track. If you need to follow Jesus at all of our campuses, I want to invite you to raise your hands up. Let's pray together. Father God, for those who are needing your forgiveness, who are needing your restoration and renewal, God, would you come into their life right now? God, would you bring your love as we've been talking about all day, you love so deeply, so widely. God, would they feel your love and forgiveness and would you help them to get on the right track in the days ahead? God, for those that are wanting to follow you for the first time or to get back on track with you, God, would you come and bring your spirit into their lives, God, that they would know you like they've never known you before. God, help them to, to go in your direction and leave everything else behind. They would just, with everything they've got, follow you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.